you don't know this yet, but you are in for such a treat today. Welcome to the Wicked Fearless Podcast. I'm your host, Madison Ciccone, speaker, author, and for the better part of the last decade, I've been riding a bike at a little place called Soul Cycle. Maybe you've heard of it before. Each week, I bring you solo inspirational episodes, pep talks, as well as interviews with fellow fit pros, athletes, entrepreneurs, spiritual gurus, and a little bit of everything in between showcasing how it's not the absence of fear in our lives, but the ability to go toe-to-toe with it daily and take brave, bold action when it comes to creating a life that we crave. Real relatable stories, not only from my own personal life, but from my guests as well about the twists and turns, the pivots, the roadblocks, and all the places they had to go to take them to where they are now in their lives. Tactical tips, tricks, and takeaways for you to get out there and start living your very best life. Seatbelts on and let's do the damn thing. Welcome back to the pod squad. Now listen, I know I say this a lot, I say this a lot, buckle up, but today's guest, I can hear my mom say, like, what a hot shit. And she really is. Fire. Cracker. Vasavi Kumar. I first heard about her on the Simply Be podcast. You know, when I'm listening to all these different podcasts and I'm getting fed or picking through different ones or you know how when you listen to one podcast it'll be like suggested and then I'll click into that and that's really how I find new people to follow as well as new possible guests for the podcast and let me tell you this was such a stretch for me and in the vein of her brand new book say it out loud I was really nervous for this one because she is such a badass. I was like, am I going to be able to hold space for an hour? Is she going to think I'm a loser? Is she going to see right through me that I'm like, it gave me total imposter syndrome, which is so wild because, you know, I've been doing this for almost four years. I digress, but I just thought it was really cool. It was a stretch for me and I had such a good time. I laughed so much. She is so spirited. And what I love the most about her and her new book is you can get it in the Audible format where she reads her own story. I can't tell you how cool it is to listen to someone's book and hear their inflection and the way they talk because it literally feels like you are just hanging out with Boss and she is just shooting the shit with you. And that is exactly how she is in conversation. It is fluid. It's chill. It flows. She's hilarious. And she has so much depth and thought and insight. And you are just going to absolutely love this conversation. I know I did. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Vasavi. All right, y'all, I have Vasavi Kumar on the podcast. And for those of you who do not know who she is, I this is such an honor and a pleasure. I am trying to not have a fangirl moment, but like 
I just think you are so cool. And I'm so excited for the conversation we're going to have because I know so many people need to hear this stuff and it's not being talked about enough. So for my Wicked Fearless friends out there who may not know who you are and what you do, can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, first of all, I'll tell you this, Madison, I was never the cool girl in school growing up. I was the one that was bullied and tortured and beaten up for a good portion of probably up until like eighth or ninth grade. So for you to say that, (laughs) yeah, I dislike that for me too. And that's why when I hear you say that I'm so cool, a part of me, it doesn't cringe, you know, like I'm not cringing at you, but like my 13 year old self just cringe and was like, oh my God, if she only knew how uncool you actually were. But that's why I wanted to just start off by saying that like who I am personally is not the cool girl. And I think that's what makes you either love me or hate me, right? Um, if if you, you try really hard to be someone that you're not, you're not going to like me because I'm exactly who I am. And you work so hard to wear masks that I'm just going to offend you with my authenticity. But if you're someone who wants to be more of yourself and if someone who who really appreciates transparency, authenticity, and honest living, then you're going to love me. So, it, you know, we'll see how this conversation goes. But other than that, Uh, What am I? Okay, well, professionally, I'm a licensed therapist. I'm leaning a lot more into being an MC, a voiceover artist, uh, a speaker. I just wrote a book called Say It Out Loud. So that's really exciting. I also own real estate and I'm about to have another piece of property that's going to be rented out. So that's huge. So I have two rental properties, basically, and just figuring it out. Yeah, like I have these, you know, I like to call them playful profit streams instead of like revenue streams. And uh, yeah, I'm just really, really excited to be sharing my knowledge and and with stuff and, and stuff with 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 people here. Oh, I love it so much! I saw that Om Shanti House. I love the name. I want to go yeah. there. It sounds That's awesome. My dad's name. My father's love name that. is Shanti. I yeah. love that. I love that yeah. so much. I have listened to a lot of your book and your story overall. But what do you feel like really? I know that so much of what we're going to talk about today comes from your past experience, but. Do you feel like you wrote your book because you wanted more people to understand how to interrogate their darkness and kind of figure out who they really are? Yeah, I want people to to stand up to the voices in their head, the bullies in their head, the critical, cynical voices in their head, because I know that voice really, really well. That voice can really damage you um, if you let it, if you let it. And so I I know the importance of being able to not only stand up to the bullies in the real world, but also the bully voices in your head. And that's why I really that's why I wrote the book, because I want people to be at peace in their minds. Um, As someone who's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and lived with it for over 20 years, I know what it's like to have really, really, really intrusive thoughts. And, you know, when you're really just trying to do the work, do the healing, take care of yourself. But your mind has a way of fucking with you. It can really make you feel like you're falling behind in life. And so I just want to teach people a way, my way, that has helped me to quiet some of the voices in my head. Because I know that, yes, I have loud voices in my head, maybe louder than others because of my bipolar diagnosis and the way my brain is. But everyone has voices in their head. So I just want to teach people how to how to talk to them and how to talk back to them because some of those voices aren't the most helpful. Yeah. I feel like our negative self-talk truly is what makes or breaks us and our ability to stand up to it. Uh, The first thing I ask any client, anyone that comes to me, and if they tell me they have a challenge, they have an obstacle, they have this conundrum, I say, what are you telling yourself about this situation? That's a very, I've been asking that question for 10 years. I don't know how I thought of it, 
It just came to me, but I said, what are you telling yourself about this situation? Because for me, it just made natural sense, I think, to ask that question. Like, well, if you don't feel like you can do something, who's telling you that you can't? Because see, for me, I always had to combat that voice in my head, that voice telling me you can and can't do something. I have a very harsh immigrant mother. So she was kind of the bully in my head, you know, that I had to stand up to. She was just being what she thought was being a mom, but she was very, my mom was very much a bully. Um, So I just want to help people have a quieter mind so you can go do the things that you really want to do without being dictated by these voices in your head. Do you feel like most of the voices that are in our head are actually, I call them like tiny mad ideas that got planted there by other people, like other people's opinions, other people's thoughts, other people saying, you know, you're too loud, you're too this, you're too whatever. And throughout like our life experiences, that's kind of the information we've picked up. And then in these almost like high stakes moments or these big moments in our life, maybe when we're leveling up or whatever is going on, that's when they really start to churn and chirp up. At least that's how it is for me, but it's usually someone else's voice. It's not mine. I like that you said tiny man. It's like tiny man syndrome. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so that's really a great question to ask yourself. And I say this in the book, whose voice is this? Mm-hmm. whose voice is this? And so when you can identify that it's not your voice, because 10 out of 10 times, it's not your voice, you learned it from someone, or if you think that something is your voice, and you might have to just probe a little bit deeper and say like, wait, is this really what I think? Where did I first learn this messaging? At least identify where you first learned it from. And if you feel bad going against that voice, because, oh my God, that's what my grandpa taught me. That's what my grandma, I I feel like I'm going to, I'm I'm betraying my granddaddy if I go against this. It's like, dude, no, this is literally where you get to think for yourself. You're not betraying anyone. You're not in a relationship with your grandfather. There's no loyal, you got to have loyalty to yourself. That is the mantra that I live by. I am loyal to one, to, to, to me and God. That's it. Basically one and the same right? I'm loyal to myself. That doesn't mean I'm disloyal to other people, but my loyalty naturally flows when I'm loyal to myself. But I'm not going to stick around for people just because they've been in my life for years. I'm very clear on where people belong in my life and what they provide and what they bring to the table. And I think if we did that and used more of our discernment, we'd have a lot less hurt feelings. We'd, We'd be hurting ourselves less. So it's okay to outgrow beliefs and it's okay to outgrow outgrow the voices in your head that don't belong to you and never did. I love that so much. I recently did an episode on my podcast called The Shedding, where I really talked about these different chapters we go through in our lives of our lives of letting certain people go or understanding that not everybody is supposed to come through the entire journey with you. And it's okay that these chapters end and ebb and flow and a massive one, you know, post-college and then, you know, in your thirties and then in your forties. And I feel like as humans, we think that people are supposed to be with us forever. Yep. And that's not the case. And a lot of times it's really toxic. These aren't people we want. They're not people that fill us up. They're not people that are adding, they're actually subtracting. And yet we feel some sort of allegiance to them. I just think it's, it's we need to not be so resistant to change, right? Yeah. That's what this really boils down to. Every single time you're like, oh, and you find yourself holding on, that's really more of an opportunity for you to let go just a little bit, just a little bit. Life is just so much easier when you just let things unfold. My mother said this to me the other day. I was stressing out about something. Oh, it was about <laughs> renting out my house and where am I going to live if the house gets rented out? And my mother said this. She said this, this was two weeks ago. She said, you know, life just has a really funny way. It all just like 
comes together naturally. The thing yeah. that you were most worried about, it just all starts to fall into place and you can't figure out how it happened, but it did. And I swear to God, I let it go two weeks ago. When she said that, I go, you know what? That feels really good. I'm just going to let this go. And now my brain has relaxed. I have more solutions. I wasn't finding a solution to the issue that I had. I now have a solution. I realized, oh, if someone rents out my place, I can just Airbnb. Oh my God, I can hop around. Why do I need to be committed to one spot? I don't need to buy another place or buy another place. Because the way that I've worked out my real estate situation, I'm in a really good situation right now. I, I'm very good financial situation for me to really tap more into my travel and adventure side. Long story short for all of this is that anytime you notice yourself holding on really tightly to a certain belief or holding on to a certain, a, there's this feeling that you just can't let go of, that's exactly when you have to let go. Is when you're like, oh man, I just, just breathe a little bit. And the solution that we're looking for will usually come to us when we're least thinking about it when we're not so resistant to it and we're, when we're not so thirsty and desperate for a solution. We don't get anything when we're thirsty and desperate. And if we do, it doesn't feel good after we get it. So I came up with a solution yesterday and I was like, oh, and I like called up my mother and I was like, I came up with a solution. She's like, see, that's like a really good, you know, my mom and I, we have a very compatible relationship. It's uh, very contentious, but we, we, we flow and jive on, similar things. So I'll take that. I'll take that and I'll, I'll run with it. Oh, I love it. Okay. So I think a lot of that sometimes comes from like the guilt around what our needs are. So yeah. I feel like this has been coming up a lot in a lot of conversations I'm having with different people here and there as of this, this feeling of I'm being selfish of putting what I need first, or I mean, I feel selfish for, you know, my non-negotiables or what makes me the best version of me. And I think that you said something in an interview I listened to of yours or something where you, or maybe it was the book. And it was like, it shouldn't be this hard to feel this good when I'm doing all of these things. Yes. And I, I was like, oh, yes. mind blown, 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 blown. Yeah. I'm visualizing this, right? When we're born, yeah. everything is done for us. And then when we're in the very cute stage, people love us for being us when we're cute in the cute phase, right? When we're two, two years old, maybe three years old, even four, we start to get older. Our personality starts to shine. The adults in our life are like, nope, nope, don't do that. Don't be like that. And we just start to become less and less of ourselves. And so we're just taught in order to get the love and approval, we have to shut down parts of ourselves. So I don't, I think this starts just from a very young age. I don't think we need to overthink this. I think therapy is really helpful to process, to heal, to grieve. But what I know now, having suffered a lot in this very same question, question and inquiry and feeling selfish, choosing myself is I can't see myself not doing things the way I want to do it these days. I can't tolerate it to be the way that it used to be. When you sacrifice so much of yourself for somebody else and you risk yourself and you abandon yourself, there will come a point, I, I hope by the grace of God, that you're then able to see like, I'm never giving up on myself again. I'm never going to sacrifice myself for somebody else. So I'm at a place now where if I don't put myself first and do it exactly how I want to do it, and then I'm just, I'm just, being the abuser again in my life. 
You know, it's easy to blame ex-boyfriends and it's easy to blame your family and it's easy to blame people for doing stupid, mean shit. But if you're the one continuing to do it, then you have no one else to blame but yourself. And I just don't want to be my own perpetrator anymore. What do you think that awakening can look like for someone who might be listening and is like, I don't even know where to start? I would start with getting really clear. I'm going to think this so simple. Start getting really clear on your likes and dislikes. What do you like and what do you not like? And stick to it and allow yourself to change your mind. Maybe you used to say you didn't like something back in the day and now you do. Now you want to, now you want to, you know, now you want to try that thing. Cool. Go do it. Like do shit your way. Wake up in the morning and ask yourself, what am I doing for fun today? What am I doing? What am I eating? What am I doing to relax? Check in with yourself three times a day. I have this in my book, set an alarm on your phone that literally says, check in with myself. How am I feeling right now? Make yourself the center of your universe. Even if you have kids, you need to make sure and prioritize your sleep, your hydration, your food, because if you weren't doing that stuff before, now all of a sudden you have a kid, you're going to blame your kid for not having sleep. You're going to blame your kid now for not eating well. You should have been doing that stuff before you decide to reproduce. That's a whole different conversation. But my point is, this <laughs> yeah. is no one, this is your, it is your responsibility to take care of yourself, period. Yeah. And so it you're is no, your responsibility to check in with yourself. Yeah. You're no good to anybody else if you're not good to yourself. That's like the whole, you can't pour from an empty cup, all those little. I actually things. find it more selfish to not be selfish. I'm saying this from experience as a mo- mother from a mother who had a mother who was the ultimate martyr. She was not only a cardiologist, but she was in private practice and she was the oldest of five. She was the first that came over to this country. She did everything for everyone and she never had time for herself. Oh, and oh, but it's selfish to put herself first. Guess who suffers? Her two little children who are on the receiving end of her irritability and her hunger and her lack of exercise. You're selfish if you're not selfish, in my opinion. And it's funny, in my family, I was called the selfish one in my family. I wear that badge so proudly because I'm also the most present. I'm the most, I'm the most lighthearted. I'm the most positive. I've had the most shit that I've been through in my family, yet I have the widest smile on my face. So you tell me, you know, that there are not advantages to putting yourself first, no matter what. Amen to that. Yeah. What do you do for yourself recreationally? How do you fill up your cup outside of all your playful profit streams? I love that you call them that so much. It just feels better, quite frankly. (laughs) Yeah, playful profit streams, right? Yeah, Yeah. oh my gosh, stealing that. Like, why do I have to call it like, you know, whatever we're calling multiple it. revenues. Hey, yeah, hint, multiple hint, revenue streams. <laughs> hint, hint, everybody. I don't know if you if you know about uh, when this is going to be aired, but if you go to playfulprofitmastermind.com, I do have a mastermind, year long mastermind coming up for people. Two oh, I love it. Events. Yeah, two live events, two calls a month. It's going to be for my six figure CEOs. I'm very excited about this. And um, yeah, that's I came up with this term, playful profit. So good. Yeah. What was the original question? You what had... are you doing for play and recreation? Oh, oh my God. How okay. do you fill up your cup? Like, what, did, what does that look like for you? How did you figure that out? I, I can't tell you how many times I ask people, what do people do for fun? And they can't give me an answer. They cannot give me an answer, which is okay. But I also think that brings to light, like, holy shit, like that's a problem. Can I answer your question by rephrasing it? Yeah. 
I want to answer your question instead of what do I do for my recreation? Ask me, I, I want to answer this question. And if you're cool with that, I will. What do I do to infuse playfulness into my life? Because that's really what I do. See, here's the thing. I'm a simple ass bitch. Put me in the car with an iced coffee or a strawberry matcha with some 90s hip hop, nice weather, and the windows roll down. That is recreational for me. When I'm at home all day on Zoom calls and video calls like this, that is the most fun thing for me to do is to put on my sunglasses, put on a baseball hat, drive around in my newly washed white Mercedes Benz like the bitch that I am, the bad bitch that I am, right? And drive around. That's fun for me. And I just need a break. I need to get out of the house. I need to listen to music. I need to be stimulated. I need to look at the lake. I need to go downtown. I drive around. So that's something that I do. I It's just simple, but I make it a vibe. Um, first thing in the morning for me, the way that I make my coffee in the morning, I put there's jazz music playing, there's candles burning. It's a whole ritual for me to make my coffee. And you might be wondering, like, how is this recreational? It's not necessarily recreational, but if you treat everything like it's recreational and like it's supposed to be fun, you'll have more fun. And you're going to start to see that there are going to be some things in your life that no matter what, you just cannot infuse the playfulness into it. Get out of it. Why? Why are you doing it? You don't have to do shit that you don't want to do. Don't people see that by now? I don't have to do things any other way. You know, I'm 41. I just started saving for retirement. I, I should have done that. I should have, right? Look at that languaging. I should have done that in my 20s and 30s. Says who? I only started at 41. You know why? Because at the age of 30, I was going to rehab twice. I got divorced. I was it became an addict. Yeah, I had a lot of life lessons in my 30s. Sorry, I wasn't saving for retirement. So do you, I share this with all of you guys because some of y'all are living on other people's timelines. And that was the biggest thing that really fucked with me is that I was living according to a cultural, societal, gender-based timeline. Damn, like it's just, it's so good. Um, I, I kind of, you just like dropped that little nugget. Uh, I'm a firm believer in your mess being your message. You said something on one of your reels that I really, really loved. And I'm going to tell you how I describe it in my own kind of like messiness. But you said something along the lines, like no one can fuck with you when you're honest with yourself and you, when you own all the parts about you, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. And, and people ask me a lot of times about confidence. Like, how do you show up like that? And I have this thing of confidence, vulnerability, and authenticity are like this triangle and you can't have one without the other unless it's fake confidence, you know, and that can only last so long and will only take you so many places. But I've described it as people can't hold something about me over my head or against me because I know my skeletons in the closet and I've danced with them and they're ugly and there's been darkness and I've had to go really low to get to where I am, which feels pretty good. And I've had to fight really hard to like myself and love myself for Christ's sake. And I just love the way you said that. And I'm curious what that maybe thirties, those thirties looked like or what, what happened in there? Oh my God. What happened in my thirties was everything. I got divorced at 31 and my parents basically took my husband's side. They gave him $300,000 to start a business while I was working five jobs. I was an Uber driver. I was a Lyft driver. I was a chef, uh, a, a line cook at a vegan restaurant. I was a substitute teacher. I also got into acting at that time to do background work. And so I worked five jobs. It wasn't easy. I mean, I'm an Indian woman who chose to get divorced and that's not very, and to a, to a nice Indian boy I was married to, but you know, not, 
just because somebody doesn't drink and doesn't cheat on you doesn't mean that you guys are good partners emotionally, you know? So that was really rough. And then I immediately got into a relationship with a guy eight years younger than me and uh, moved him in quite quickly and um, best sex I ever had. And I think that was really what kind of, I got, I got distracted. I don't know. I, I was 30, you know, I was 31 years old and I thought divorce was, I wanted to be alone and find my independence, but I got, I got distracted by a younger man and we ended up, he ended up being the rebound that lasted really long. So we lasted together for four years, immediately got into another relationship after that. So I had not been single since I was 22 years old. I went from being my daddy's girl to my husband's girl to this, then became an addict, then became someone else's fiance. That's a lot of time to be connected to, always be connected to another person. You know, and the common, and it now working out, me being the common denominator. So in my thirties, I really had to learn who I was and I had to, I had to betray myself, I think, to the, to a point of no return in order for me to be who I am today. Like I betrayed myself so much on so many, on so many micro, micro ways, you know, in the smallest of the smallest ways I betrayed myself. So my, I'm really grateful, you know, when I turned 40, two years, uh, well, I'm 41 now. When I turned 40, I was like, I've just felt really good in my skin and then when I turned 41 this year, I felt even more settled. I still feel my childlike essence. I feel very young. I feel very vibrant, but I feel a lot calmer in my brain and I feel a lot less reactive. So my 30s really shook me up. You know, I mean, everything from divorce, mental health, divorce, uh, you know, I said divorce, uh, rehab, getting arrested. I mean, I used to go on and on and talk a lot about this on podcasts, but it feels so long ago. Yeah, it was. And I. Even as I speak about it, I speak about it differently. It was more just like a, yeah, this happened. It doesn't have the same emotion charge over me. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. I feel like, so what I find is when I'm talking to people, cause I've had those moments myself and like, you have to wake up somewhere like really, really gnarly to be like, wow, my life is really unmanageable. Like this is not working for me. And, and really go down that, that path of like, not only healing, but like figuring out who you are, what you want. Like, this is like, I, this is not how I want to live my life where I'm going to either end up literally like in a ditch or dead. Um, and like what it takes to pull yourself out of it. So I, I allude that to, you know, my friend coach star says, catalyst for change. I've called them bathroom floor moments, but I've found those moments in my life were the biggest kind of, oh shit moments for me to turn it all around. So I guess for the question would be, how did you really start to turn yourself around? Because like, you know, like even when we got on today, I was like, you're so freaking cool. And I know that triggered you, but like who I'm sitting in front of now, I'm just like, how, how, what, I really, um, how do I do it? Well, if everything is one moment at a time, one day at a time, that's for sure. And I really am intentional. I don't know how else to say it. I'm an extremely, extremely intentional person. So even if I say something mean to you, I meant it. Nothing I say is unintentional. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not aloof. I am not what you would call an aloof person. If I do something or if I don't do something, it's because I choose not to, or I choose to. My point in saying this is, the answer to your question is intentionality and it's in every single moment, every single moment. Life is just moments. Even when I get off this podcast, what am I going to do after this podcast? What's the next thing I'm going to do after this podcast? I'm intentional about everything I'm going to do. I don't just do stuff to do it. 
You know, I'm intentional mm-hmm. about it. That doesn't mean everything has to be tied to money or a bottom line. But if I do it, it's because I want to. If I'm here yeah. with you right now, it's because I want to be. If you invite me something to, to something and I can't for whatever reason, that's different. But if I don't go, it's because I don't want to go. So I have people in my life that appreciate that. They would rather have me not come and, you know, then come and, and you know what I mean? But like, I think also what it is, is that I really work on my energy. I work on the things that I'm telling myself. I work on, which is why I wrote my book. I work on what I'm consuming. I work on what I'm eating. I look at how I'm, how I'm spending my time. I'm just very intentional, like extremely of what's going on around me. Nothing is just like, oh, that happened? Like what? Like, no, I'm in my body. I'm, I know what's happening. I'm very in touch. And there, and I, I'm saying this and reiterating it and saying it in this way because so much of my life was disconnected. I was yeah. disembodied when I'd be sleeping with guys while under the influence, you know, in my 20s. And I was being, you know, so many things that I did just split me farther and farther and farther away from myself. So how did I get there? The person that you see today, it's moment to moment daily decisions. I don't get to take a break from being good to myself. I don't take breaks from being kind to myself. What the fuck is that? You know, who takes breaks from being kind to themselves? I think today I'm going to be an asshole to myself. How's that going to work? It's not going to go well. Not well. When you just said split, split myself, I literally visualized like the last Harry Potter book of like all of Voldemort's souls being like split up and like trying to live through that, which didn't go well. Um, I'm trying to think of someone who, how they would be listening and receive this, who, who hasn't gone down, like didn't have to go to that level of dark. Right. I feel like it's, I find it's easier to talk from that place than someone that's just like, I want to start being more intentional with my life or, you know, nothing's really wrong. You know, I didn't have to hit this crazy rock bottom or I don't, whatever. I just don't know how to start doing that. Like, what is the process of being more intentional with myself? Is it keeping the promises to myself? Is it saying I'm going to do this thing and then going to do it? It's, it's breaking it down to, I like to keep it simple. How am I going to start my day? What is something, I mean, come on, if you're on Instagram, you talk to your friends, everyone's, people are always talking about their habits and their rituals and you need to mm-hmm. do this and the more, come on, you're not like unaware of these, what concepts. you need to do, <laughs> especially if you're listening to this podcast, right? You're not unaware, you know, that you could be better to better to yourself and kinder and maybe start your day better. So start with how do I want to start my day? How would I create my day? How would I start my day? Oh, I would start my day with a little prayer. I would start my day by, you know, doing my face routine. I would start my day by, you know, going for a walk. Okay, great. Put it on your calendar. Do it. Write it out. Say you're going to do it. Say it out loud. Write it out. Say it out. Put it on your calendar and then go do it. It's the number one thing is keeping promises and being your word. Because think about what you want in a relationship with somebody else. The number one thing that I want from anybody is do what you say you're going to do. And don't lie to me. Don't tell me you're going to do something and then not do it. And don't withhold information from me. Don't lie to me. And But we do that to ourselves. We make excuses. I hate when people make excuses. We make excuses with ourselves. So think about what you need in a relationship to fully thrive and give that to yourself. I don't need a partner to say to me, let's walk 10K steps. But I would desire a partner who would be down to do 10K steps with me. Like, hey, we just ate a really big ass meal. You want to go walk 10K? Yeah, let's go. 
okay, if you want a partner like that, do you give that to yourself after you've eaten a fat ass meal? Come on, we've all done it. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that's the second time you kind of like alluded to God. And I'm really curious what your spiritual practices are, like what your beliefs are and, and how that plays in all this. I don't worry about a fa- I mean, it is such a personal relationship. If you're being charged by my relationship to God, that is, you gotta, you gotta look at that because that's my relationship. What do you care what I believe in? Yeah. So for me, I grew up Hindu and I am Hindu. I'm a Brahmin, Hindu Brahmin. My ancestors were all priests. Um, and we have multiple gods in our religion. And ultimately we know that there is no such thing. It is not like a God in the sky or anything. In our religion, we believe that we are God. We believe that the creator and the creation are one and the same. When I say God, I'm referring to this higher energy, this higher entity that is me and that is me and within me and is all of me and is everything around me and is in everybody else. I like, I don't have a charge with the word God. I'm very lucky that way. I'm not like what my, you know, some of my friends from Long Island, my my recovering Catholic friends, you know, I don't have that issue with saying the word God. Yeah. Um, and I don't ever need to feel the need to explain myself about it. And neither should anybody. It's I pray every day. I talk to God every day. I live alone and I live with my dog. And our dogs are the closest thing to God, I would say. But, you know, I t- talk to God every day. I consult with God every day. And I'm basically just consulting with the purest voice inside of me that just wants what's best for me. And that's the God within me. On days where you feel like you're in it, when you feel, because I know we all do, have those moments where your own negative self-talk or whatever is just really reeling. If you have a day you're spiraling, like it's not going the way you want it to, what do you do? What are your like tactical trip wires or t- like what do you do to pull yourself out of that like real tailspin? To be honest, I don't do anything at first. I just sit in the shit. I need mm. to just feel like shit sometimes. I just need to let that feeling. Do you remember the movie Inside Out with sadness? You know how? Yes. Remember? Oh my God. He's like, so I'm good. sad. I'm sad. Yeah. That, when I'm in my shit, it feels like it's sadness. It's just a yeah. deep sadness. So there's a lot that I'm going through currently that I, I have no control over. My father slowly degenerating in front of our eyes. He has a progressive condition while I'm doing so well in my life. There's a lot of sad things that I'm coexisting in that's coexisting inside of me. So I, I lay down. I, I lay on the couch. I watch some Seinfeld. You know, I don't hurt myself like I used to. I would use cocaine back in the day. That's how I would deal with my stuff and or I would drink or whatever. I use cannabis, you know, um, here and there. And I, I enjoy it. And it's been very helpful for me. But, you know, w- when I'm just feeling like shit and, you know, let's say I don't have access to cannabis or access to anything. Yeah, I just I just lay down and I. I just stare at the ceiling. I don't do much. I, I hug myself and I eventually come out of it. Maybe I'm like, okay, maybe I'm a little hungry, you know, or I'll cook something or I'll just watch a show or I'm just with myself. It, it passes. I don't need to do anything to pull out of it. I just have to move through it. And then there's spaciousness. And then I take the next step, the next step. Like, so for me, when I feel shitty, Madison, I don't, my, my question to myself isn't how do I get myself out of this? It's let me just sit with it. I, I sit, I feel a little shitty or I'll feel shitty and I'll go do something. I'll feel shitty and I'll go fold laundry. I'll just Keep trying to keep that energy moving. You know, I can sit and I can hug myself, but that feeling can really overwhelm you because it's heavy. It's like sadness, you know, it's just really. Yeah. So I'll, 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 I won't leave the house and I won't drive around feeling that way because I don't like operating a, 
machinery when I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna operate machinery. Yeah, I just don't I don't do that. I'll fold laundry, I'll clean up the house a little bit. I'll just yeah. move that energy a little bit, but I don't try to do anything. I just I, I try to move it and I just talk to myself throughout. I don't know if that helps, but it helps me. I love that because I think for me, like I have to really move, like I have to be in movement. Like I have to go running. I have to go be in physical. I have to do something physical. And I think that is because I I'm not good at sitting in it. I I'm not good at sitting in the shit. I'm my process is I'll go run and then I'll have the thought. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. Or I'll go to yoga and I'll cry in Shavasana. That's like my MO. But do you, like but do you, get... but do you feel better after doing that? Absolutely. So, so here's, here's why I love this convo. A part of me was like, man, I'd love to switch places with you. And man, if I, you know, maybe I could lose those last five pounds if I got up <laughs> and moved quickly, you know what I mean? But my point is I want everyone listening to this, whatever works. Yes. Me, if folding, if 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 doing those last five dishes in my sink or loading the dishwasher helps move it through, that's what I tidy up. So okay, you want to know how I do it? I tidy up my house. I tidy, I clean the house. And I don't mean like full deep clean. I'll fluff up the pillows. I'll just put stuff away. I'll just clean up because when I have external order, I start to feel better on the inside. Mm. I start putting stuff away and I move through shit quite quickly. But that's never the goal for me. It's never the goal to move through quite quickly, you know? So, yeah. But I think a lot of that might also have to do with like the fact that you allow yourself to kind of like, like you were saying before, when I kind of like let go of the reins or when I like don't, when I'm not like clenching onto the thing so much or trying to figure it out so much, it resolves itself. Yeah, I I don't like to Mack truck through things. I think we can just be patient with ourselves, you know? Why? Why rush? Anyway. Because so much of the work I do is around confidence, I'm obviously wicked fearless, although I don't believe that like being fearless ever truly exists. I just believe like you get better at fear with you at all times. What do you feel like is your definition of confidence? What does confidence look like to you? Because like for me sitting in front of you, I'm like, oh, she's so like confident. Where do you think that draws from with the well within you now? where you are in your life? Man, what a great question. This is just who I am now. And I, that's, that's my answer to your question. If you would have met me, maybe, well, you, you came across me a few months ago, but when I show up, I show up. That's my promise. I just show up. And that means I, I don't withhold. That's what it is. I think what you really see in front of you, yes, is someone who is confident but I don't withhold. I'm not withholding myself. And I think what you're experiencing as confidence is that I'm not withholding. So you can feel lots of me. And that's, that's a bold, confident move right there for me to let you feel me. Where I could have let my heart shut down, you know, even on these podcast interviews. So I think that's what it is. And where does it come from? Because I don't want to withhold from myself. I don't withhold love from myself. Why would I withhold from you or anyone? You know, and, but I, I have discernment now. I have boundaries. I know, I know that I don't have to overgive. I know that me showing up is just enough. I don't have to go above and beyond all the time. That too is a trauma response. I don't go above and beyond for anyone. I give what I can and I don't expect it back. When you overgive, that's when you get resentful. And you expect back and then you get mad at the other person. They didn't even ask for it. 
you know? So I think that's, I just speak from, this is how I feel. I This is what I think. And that's what you're hearing. So you, I think you're getting the best parts of me. And I think maybe that's why you love me so much. When you are preparing, because I know that your thing, you want to speak on more stages and you do all these events and you're emceeing all this stuff. There's so much energy. What do you do to stay grounded when you have these really big things going on and big things coming to you or that like imposter syndrome starts to. This is good because, lo- because I know like, you're in this right now too. Cause I'm yeah. seeing, I'm seeing all the things you're doing. So I'm just going to say this. Because life is so chaotic and we don't have control over so much that goes on around us. When I'm getting ready to get on stage or whatever, I, I practice, I practice, I, I outpractice many people that I know. So I never get nervous. No, let me say this. I never feel unprepared. I get nervous. I don't feel unprepared. Big difference. So I practice a lot. I practice in the bathroom. I practice in the car. I practice in the shower. I practice. I set aside time. I I create a whole stage in my living room. I pretend I'm speaking to the audience. I do all the stuff to get ready because one thing that I will not ever be is unprepared. I'll be nervous, but I won't be unprepared because when you have muscle memory, no, you can't, you can't really, you can like your nerves are your nerves, but if you have preparation and practice and it, you have muscle memory, it will flow out of you. Yeah. So I get, I, I get ready. I'm ready. Bef- I, 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 and I stay ready. I'm, I'm constantly in classes and workshops to help that creative part of my brain to be thinking in different ways. I'm taking a TV screenwriting class in October, right? Because that's like, I always wanted to do that. It keeps my creative brain sharp, learning something new. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. We're on our last like glimmer questions. One, I'm going to ask selfishly because you mentioned it in the podcast and I've never asked it before, but you said you did extra work. What's the craziest day of extra work you ever did or like the craziest show or whatever you worked on? Um, we did, we did an HBO show called the leftovers, which is about the okay. people who were left behind. That was a lot of fun. Very gloomy and doomy. I just did a commercial for VRBO. That was a lot of fun at UT. Um, my first ever commercial was a, literally a 30 second spot. And I got paid like 3,500 bucks for it. It was just me and confetti. We love and, those. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. We love it was those. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. If you went to MC a huge event and everybody who leaves is going to leave with a goodie bag. We know we love the goodie bag. They're going to get your book. But if you could put another book inside that that has been meaningful to you, that has like really shifted things for you or just one that's heavy on your heart you love, what would you put in there? Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Okay. Yeah. I love that came just. Yeah. If you could have dinner with anybody, time, space, present, past, who would it be? Bradley Cooper. He's so beautiful. I love him more than anything. I love that. I hope he, I hope, I hope he knows this. I hope, I hope we're manifesting that for you. You're going to meet him. He needs to know me, me and Bradley need to date. Okay. (laughs) He doesn't know this. I love him. I love that so much. That sounds like, okay, I'm not a stalker. I promise. But yes, I do love him. 
I mean, I feel like this is very attainable actually. And final question, you said you love, I believe you said 90s hip hop, but if you could walk up to stage to any one song, this is like your walk-up song, like those baseball players that walk up, it's like Rick Ross blowing money fast, whatever song they play that gets them hyped up. What is your one song that makes you feel like, I got this. Lottie Dottie by Snoop Dogg. Well, this is your moment to fully plug yourself. I want to hear about what you have going on. I want to hear about the book. I want to hear about the mastermind. Literally anything that you have going up that you want the Wicked Fearless crew, pod squads here and know about, this is your floor. Okay, here's, let's keep it simple. First thing that you should do is go to Instagram. Find me on Instagram at my name is Vasavi. Make sure you give me a follow or send me a DM. Let me know that you loved this episode. Second thing that I'd love for you to do is order my book. Say it out loud. You can, it's available everywhere. It's, if you're an audiobook person, I narrated it and I am a voiceover artist. So the audiobook is really good. Available yes. everywhere. Yeah. Thank yes, you. it's so key. Like, that's what I love the most is your voice is so good. Like, I feel like I'm walking around just hanging out with you. It's awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, I love that. So order my book. And then I do have a year long mastermind coming up called Playful Profit. We're in the middle of just collecting wait list right now. So just go to vasavikumar.com uh, forward slash mastermind. And you can go ahead and um, enter your name for the wait list there. And yeah. people can people can go to Instagram and they can find all things and they can do their own stocking and as you, and they you can should. you can also just reach out to me. Yes, you can also just reach out to me. You I'm could like, you could just send me a DM. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been so so fun, and it's truly been an honor today. I am jazzed to have you, and it's been just a pleasure. So thank, thank you for you coming so on. Thank you for having me. Absolute gold right there. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed my conversation with Vasavi. Like she said, go check out her new book, Say It Out Loud, available on Amazon Prime. But I highly suggest her audible version of her book because it really is absolute gold. Chef's kiss. I cannot suggest it enough. And if you did enjoy this episode thoroughly, please tag us in your stories, whether you're on the walk with your dog or you're on the beach or you're cruising your neighborhood in your car, please pull over listening to your 90s hip hop music, living your best life. That is the coolest thing when we get to see this out in the universe and how it's getting into people's ears and impacting their lives for the better. That is hands down the coolest part about podcast land podcaster land, whatever we want to call it. Until next week, may you always be joyful, loving, and above all else, fearless. Fearless.